This episode of The Yarn is sponsored by Heinemann and their professional book, It's All About the Books, How to Create Book Rooms and Classroom Libraries that Inspire Readers, written by Tammy Mulligan and Claire Landrigan. Colby talked with Claire Landrigan about the book. So we began to think about re-envisioning a book room to be an annex to every classroom library. So any teacher at any time could walk into this space and literally take books and add them into their classroom library so they could be rotating and refreshing their inventory to match the kids who are in their classrooms in terms of their instructional needs, but in terms of their identities, their passions, their interests. And so for kids, it started to seem that from their point of view, the book supply is endless in their classroom library. Teachers, is your classroom library in need of an upgrade? It's All About the Books will show you how. Visit Heinemann.com to learn more and order a copy. No sense defending anymore. Lloyd's got to get this pass off to Rapino, and everybody's got a bomb forward now. Rapino gets a crossing. It's towards one. Welcome to The Yarn, a School Library Journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. It's not every day that you get to chat with a two-time Olympic gold medalist, World Cup champion, and number one New York Times best-selling author. I was lucky enough to have that opportunity a couple of weeks ago when I hopped on a Zoom call with the author of Wolfpack, Abby Wambach. It was so much fun. Abby is an amazing person that cares deeply about helping kids, and the Young Readers edition of Wolfpack is an absolute must-read. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Abby. Abby, how are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? I am. I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for for taking the time to to chat with me today about Wolfpack. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. And I got the copy of the new Young Reader edition. I, I don't even it. have a copy yet. That's ah. impressive. Yeah, uh, I'm very lucky. Um, I want to know what Abby was like as a kid. So I'm a fifth grade teacher. So what were you like as a ele- end of elementary, early middle school child? Well, first of all, thank you for being a teacher and dealing with all the things that are happening right now. We have three kids and I can't imagine what you all are going through. So like you, you all deserve to make $1 billion a year. And um, I just wanted to say that. Um, Thank you. So for me, being a kid, you know, I grew up in what felt like um, as good of a situation as you possibly can get idyllic, right? I was the youngest of seven kids and um, my parents, my mom always had every, everything organized. She cooked dinner. She was a stay at home parent. My dad worked. Um, and then, you know, as I got older, I think one of the elements, both good and bad of being the youngest of a big family is this deep need. And for me personally, I, I had a deep need, um, for more attention from my parents, right? Um, I did get a lot of attention from my brothers and sisters, but really wanting the attention of these two 
head figures of, of our family uh, implanted in me some really awesome stuff, also some really tough stuff. Um, one of those things that is more tough is just this, um, this feeling like I have to prove my worthiness and prove I'm lovable. Um, from like a personal perspective, that's like a hard thing to learn and understand as a kid. It's taken me decades to figure out. And then there's the other side of that coin that it was the very thing that allowed me to be so, one of the very things that allowed me so, to be so successful on the soccer field. Um, so a lot of my, a lot of, a lot of my development right now, um, there's so much for me in terms of the way that I have responded to my life of learning. There's so much about pushing against what I felt like inhibited me. And now I'm in this like embracing like, oh, but that also was the very thing that made me so great. Um, so no longer do I blame, you know, my parents for having too many kids. I'm grateful that they had seven because otherwise I wouldn't be here. Um, and the other side of that is just understanding that like parents are just generally, generally doing the very best that they can. And sometimes they're great and sometimes they aren't parents make mistakes who knew <laughs> who knew that parents make mistakes um i do now because i'm a parent and you know as a kid all i really wanted to do was have fun school unfortunately was not the thing that i i did well in um, my personality, I'm like a mover, sitting in school and listening and learning that way, not my kind of learning. I'm an active learner. Uh, I need to be in the action. I need to be taught with um, tactilely. And now that I know that, different schooling would have been so much better for me. Um, you know, I see some of the, the classrooms my kids have been in where the teachers have chairs where they've got like little pedal things like I just I would have had such a different experience had um, I grown up in a different time but you know the other side of that coin is also that I really needed to rely on um, other things to succeed and to do life that I want to do right so yeah I mean I think every one of us could pick out a bunch of things that we would change and wish were different about our childhood but in the same breath, maybe some of that stuff is exactly the reason why we are the way we are, um, both good and bad. I think that's a, a good segue into the, into the book, uh, Wolfpack. So you now have this opportunity, you know, you've lived this amazing, successful, a life that a lot of people would dream of living. Um, and now you have a chance to talk to kids and to share uh, this Wolfpack mentality uh, with kids who maybe are struggling in school or maybe are having a difficult time. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the journey to this through the TED Talk, through giving the speech at graduation to uh, the book, and then now to being able to bring the book to a younger audience? Yeah. You know, I think one of the motivations for me from the beginning for writing this book is soon after I retired, um, I realized I didn't know what, what I wanted. I didn't know what I was good at. You know, as an athlete, when you are skilled at this one thing and then age 
And then you age out of this job, this career, this thing you've spent 30 years building, 35 years, whatever it is, you are left with a profound terror of what you're going to do next, right? And so I spent a few years in my early retirement trying to understand what it was that I knew. Like what, what were the skills that I figured out that I grew, that I was able to learn as an athlete? And then which one of those skills uh, and, and what part of those things can I turn into uh, something else, right? So in the process of trying to figure out what it was that I knew, um, I then got an email to write the, the to, to, to give the commencement speech at Barnard. And that is kind of where this whole thing began. But I'm telling you and, and all the people that are going to listen to this podcast, like you have to begin before the opportunity shows up. You have to begin the process. So I had already been, I'd done um, a kind of a, a life work design program to figure out what it was I was going to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> and that allowed me some of the language for when the email did show up in my inbox, when, when, when um, Sion, the president of Barnard Bylock, when she asked me to do it, I, I didn't be like, well, I've got nothing to say. Like, what, what do I know? <laughs> like, what would these kids want to listen to for me? I had just gone through this whole process of figuring out exactly what I knew. <laughs> and so it was like, bang, bang, bang. It was like an easy... Um, segue, so to speak, towards trying to write this this speech. And, you know, I feel like I don't think that what I have to say is any more important than what you have to say or anybody else. I, I don't. I don't think that my life experience makes me more qualified in any way. I just say it. Like, I think that that's a big differentiator between some people who write books and some people who don't, some people who become speaking you know, public speakers and some people who don't, is that like some people just do and some people don't. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that this Wolfpack book and the process to understanding what it was I had to say from that time, like I don't pretend to believe to know everything about the world, but what I do know, I feel really confident in what I know. I know how to bring teams together. I know how to win. Uh, I know how to enjoy and, and have fun doing it. Um, you know, and I think that from, from like a really big, and uh, like a 30,000 foot perspective, I think that our whole world could use a really good dose of figuring out how to work better together. Um, and that has to start from the beginning, right? Like, so these kids, everybody sees the news, everybody feels it, everybody's talking about it over dinner. You know, the kids are, are smart. They're picking up all of this stuff that, that adults can barely sort through, right? Um, and so I just think that this, this Young Readers edition of Wolfpack is so important because it gives kids more power, more autonomy, and more independence to be able to figure out what they want what they want to say and what's important to them so that they can then collect their team or their people to do life with.
Uh, selfish question. So I have two daughters, uh, five kids, two daughters. I'm actually the youngest or the oldest of seven kids. So it's, it's interesting to talk to the youngest of seven. Wow. Uh, so my daughters are competitive gymnasts, pretty intense, right? Four hour practices, five days a week. Um, and it's a big part of who they are. Like, I do feel like they are in a pack, but for the last six months, that pack has been taken away and it's been taken away from a lot of kids. Uh, even my students, right? We're in class. Half the kids are in class. Half the kids are home. Uh, we have this little pod so they can't see their friends in the other classes. They sit in rows. There's no group work. It's just different. Like, what would you say to a kid when you, uh, I guess, stray from your pack? Like, mm-hmm. what tips would you have or to, to help someone who's struggling with that? Yeah. Well, I think some of the good news to remember in this time is everybody is going through something like that. So there is no, uh, there is no person on this planet who is not experiencing some level of not having your pack, not having your people, right? And here's the thing, like life, what's interesting about life, like Oprah says, you know, life will send you whispers. And if you are listening and you, you will hear the whispers, but if you don't listen and you don't hear the whispers, then life will send you a brick and it will hit you straight in the face, right? And right now it feels like this is life's way of telling the human race that, hey, we might need to slow down a little bit. Um, our planet is burning. <laughs> it's on fire, literally. Literally, yeah. Um, and I don't know. I just think that there is there's always something that you can do positively, right? Like, like for us, our family, we have big feelings. And we let each other have our feelings about this, no matter what they are. You're allowed to have the feelings, right? But what you're not allowed to do is stew in those feelings for so long that it's the only thing that you can see and think, right? So we talk about positivity glasses and opportunity glasses. Like I look at this time and I think about this time as one of the most unique opportunities in all of human history. And those who are thriving are the ones that have the ability to manage not just the stress or the anxiety, but to manage their mind so that they can combat some of those stressors or anxieties that will show up and present on a, on a day-to-day, minute-to-minute basis. You know, it's science and the way that you approach your life, you can actually make yourself happier by looking for positive things, by looking for the things um, that bring you happiness. Of course, every person has the opportunity to look at what they are no longer getting or what is now worse in their life. But as a parent, right? Like as a parent who didn't get to experience my children at a young age, because I I met them later on in their lives, Mm -hmm. I'm getting this such a unique period of time, of closeness, of time Mm -hmm. with, with my children that I never had before. And some parents might say, gosh, this is brutal. This is so hard. And it is. Don't get me wrong. But there's also this sense of beauty in this uh, period of time. And all the while, it can be stressful, right? Like money might be tight. 
you might have lost your job your children have no idea how to do virtual school like mm. having to go to the store with a mask and like actually being literally afraid of getting um covid like all of these things can be true and you can still try to find bright spots and moments of light inside of this weird moment right that we're having um but i i, I just look at this as like the most amazing opportunity to develop and if you don't have the opportunity of being around your your friends or your people or your wolf pack then you need to create those like right like this is a such an important element to this period of time is like so much of what our children have been taught is that our parents make our lives right our parents um tell us what school to go to our parents put us on teams and they drive us to the games and they drive us to the gym and practice gymnastics practice our parents do all this stuff this is a really cool period of of of, of humanity because kids can figure out how to use computers better than adults so text your friends and say let's get on a zoom call let's all get on a zoom call and do something let's try to use technology like the the most basic elements of technology right now and try to connect and try to figure out a way through this instead of looking at the problems winners find solutions mm. one last question what is your hope for this book Oof. two things one my hope is that when kids read this book that they pick their heads up from it and they look to their left and they look to their right and they find the people in their life that help them do life better and allow them the environment to achieve whatever success means to to them this life down here a lot of people choose to live it semi remotely alone to themselves and i get that and there is beauty to be had by experiencing life in individually but the true joy is when it's shared because it's so much harder there's so much more to lose there's so much more to gain there's so much more beauty to be had uh when you have multiple people involved because it is harder to lead a group of 5 6 10 25 people than it is to just move your own self And so my hope is that people know that it is harder and they go about finding it anyway. Living um on a team and trying to figure out life is so hard. It's so hard. Life is hard. It's designed that way, right? Otherwise, everybody would have a perfectly happy and no problem life. Life is hard and if you are struggling you are doing it right. A huge thank you to Abby for chatting with me. Abby, I hope that young readers get as much out of this amazing book as I did. I just loved Wolfpack. Thank you to Morgan Rath from the Macmillan Children's Publishing Group for setting things up. Morgan, always a pleasure to work with you. Thank you to Heinemann Publishing for sponsoring this episode. Thank you Philip Stead for creating our theme song. Huge shout out to my friend Travis Yonker for helping me edit today's show. Travis, I hope you and your family are staying healthy. I hope all of you are reading something amazing. 
and fantastic and life-changing. I'm Colby Sharp. Thanks for listening.